Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of Monarch Astrology and Magic of the Spheres podcast, bringing you the astrology forecast for April 26th to May 2nd, 2023. This is in written version if you'd like to find it on my website, and I'm coming to YouTube and Magic of the Spheres to read it aloud and add some extra thoughts. So we're in between the last eclipse and an upcoming full moon eclipse that will happen on May 5th. And this week we have Mars and Cancer aspecting Chiron and Aries. They form a square, and then Mars and Cancer will sextile Uranus and Taurus. And then Pluto will station retrograde from its very early position, the zero degree point, in Aquarius. This is a very Martian and Plutonian eclipse season. Given that our last eclipse on April 19th was a Aries new moon, Aries is ruled by Mars, and our next eclipse is a full moon in Scorpio, and Scorpio is traditionally ruled by Mars and is ruled by Pluto in modern astrology. And then Mars and Pluto are major players this week, so the theme is emphasized. When we had that eclipse in 29 degrees of Aries, that new moon, um, there was a lot coming up for people around standing up for ourselves, asserting ourselves, and that would kind of take into account the shadow of the Aries polarity, which is Libra, right? So maybe being in situations where we didn't want to play nice anymore, we didn't want to make nice, we didn't want to just harmonize because the situation was getting to a point where it was too much of a sacrifice to continue to make peace or to kind of like harmonize um, and we had to take a stand right and that didn't mean that relationships were destroyed i mean maybe some um maybe some separations occurred but possibly there was a new rebalancing because we were adding more of our own needs into the equation um but this is continuing in some some ways um not necessarily that exact thing, but this leaning in um, of Mars. So Mars and Pluto have this thing in common. They are um, octaves of one another. Um, They both walk the edge. They are both penetrating, and they can both relate to destruction or severing. Sometimes when we feel visited by these archetypes, um, or sometimes we feel visited by these archetypes when we're facing a conflict, and we don't feel we asked for it. You know, yet here we are. So we're having to deal with something challenging. Or we visit them on purpose when we intentionally face our fears and aversions, do shadow work, or face our pain instead of going to our avoidance mechanisms, right? Like this is a form of like proactive facing of these things because we know that even though it's going to be difficult in the moment, that it's going to free up a lot of stagnant energy and allow us to be more empowered and alive in our lives. And then both planets, Mars and Pluto, also relate to the process of leaning into what's higher sensation 
connected to our fire or our desire. Fire and desire, okay. Um, and then Mars and Cancer could relate to trouble that's stirring up in our comfort zone, where places that we've gone to be safe, consciously or not, are now pushing us out like it's no longer inhabitable, kind of similar to gestating in the womb until birth becomes inevitable. This could be part of our own operating system, like where we've built our own comfort zones by specializing in what we're good at or how we've learned to successfully cope and then avoiding places in life where we feel more vulnerable or incompetent only to have those neglected parts of our life knock at our door and demand attention and embodiment around this time. The combination of transiting Mars and Cancer and then Pluto and Aquarius um, stationing could relate to emerging from comfort zones that are deeply wired. We'll talk more about Pluto and Aquarius. Like things that we've picked up from childhood or culture and have been a deeper part of our subconscious. Right? So it's like leaving our comfort zone, um, the places where we're being asked to do it right now, it may be pretty deep-seated why we're there, which doesn't mean we have to stay there, but it's, it's bringing up a lot of material. Consider how you would midwife a challenging process so that it could be a birth or an emergence. How would you bring aid or backup to the birth zone or the war zone? where the goal isn't staying comfortable exactly, but more being supported. Maybe there are ways to combine supportive influences with necessary facing of challenges right now, instead of using comfort to avoid necessary challenges. So think along the lines of nourishment or needed nutrients for the transformation that is happening, that's knocking at our door, and which we can no longer comfortably avoid either. So before I get, break, uh, get into breaking down these transits in more detail, a few announcements, some that are really exciting. Let me share my screen. So first off, um, get on my mailing list. This is a great way to stay in touch, to receive the written versions of the forecast, as well as a link to the video whenever um, that happens. I try to do that as often as possible. You can find me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. I hope you know by now about the whole impersonator thing that has been hitting the astrology and tarot communities and whatnot. Um, Sabrina Monarch is my Instagram. Any kind of misspelling, extra letters, numbers, etc., is an imposter account that will try to fleece you for cash. So um, don't engage them. But do follow me on Instagram, my actual Instagram, because I do like to connect with you there. Um, share things, posts, stories, etc. I am very excited to share that my friend and embodiment guide Carla Palomino and I are collaborating on an epic retreat experience in Crete, Greece this summer solstice, June 21st to 25th, called Ecstasies. And this is a Dionysian mythopoetic immersion into peak experience, a living storybook through our bodies into ecstasy and peak experience. Carla is a embodiment guide. She is profound. Her medicine is profound. I've been working with her for several years, um, and she's also my best friend. And I'm going to be bringing in astrology and myth, and together we are co-creating this experience that is bound to be life-changing and so much fun um, and happening in one of the most beautiful 
kind of heavenly places on the planet. So I'm going to leave the link in the notes for Ecstasies, where you can read more about it and apply to join us. And then a few opportunities to work with me. I am opening up spaces for six or 12 month mentorships to work together in a longer container. So instead of a one-time astrology reading, it's working with your natal chart and what it's speaking to as your life is unfolding. Um, this is something that, you know, part of the gift of knowing astrology, you know, when I relate to my own chart is that it's, it's happening in real time. Um, and my chart is a constant touchstone for me. Um, so I combine for you, um, this is a very personalized offering. So we get on a call and talk about what's coming up in your life right now, what maybe deep seated patterns um, you're wanting to change, um, places that you feel stuck, that you're wanting to get unstuck, um, goals, visions that you have for your life. Um, so we got on a call to talk about that, and I combine astrology, coaching, and various tools like EFT, tapping, visualization, and the Akashic Records to support you over a longer period of time. So you can send me an email, sabrina at monarchastrology.com, to inquire. And then I also have spots for my evolutionary fusion readings. These are 75-minute readings grounded in my decade-plus specialty evolutionary astrology, which is going to resource Pluto and the lunar nodes for a bottom line interpretation of the life of the soul. So getting right in there with the deep, deep. Um, and then additionally, incorporating Hellenistic thought, what I've been studying the last few years with Hellenistic astrology, and minor asteroids and the Greek myths that accompany them. So through those different techniques, often that allows me to triangulate some like really specific themes. Um, and I love to be in dialogue with you and make meaning together. The session then ends with integration through EFT tapping, which is a somatic trauma healing technique, Akashic channeling, or personalized visualization, one of those three, depending on what came up in the session. So the link for um, the evolutionary fusion readings is in the notes as well, and you can email me, sabrina at monarchastrology.com, to inquire about coaching. Okay, so let's get back to the week. On April 27th, we'll have Mars in 17 degrees of Cancer, square Chiron in 17 degrees of Aries at 6.34 a.m. Pacific. So if there's a place in our lives where we are not bringing ourselves forward out of fear, this square might again be pressing the issue. Existing circumstances might feel increasingly smothering or oppressive, which is not exactly a reflection of how things are inherently, um, but how things are when we're not fully accounting for and or expressing a need of ours, and thus are participating within circumstances that have grown out of touch with our own emerging process. Right, so what I'm saying there is that um, it might be very, um, like there's some kind of, impasse right now where we're scared maybe to bring ourselves forward or to assert a need or to ask for a need um, or to include ourselves in the equation so we're interfacing with a reality that like is missing something from us like we're the missing part um, and so the more that we have removed ourselves from taking necessary action 
the more unbearable the situation becomes, right? And then to assert ourselves might also be kind of scary or challenging um, or shocking kind of feeling, but it's what we are probably being asked to do. Chiron and Aries is surfacing wounding and also activating keys to meaningful initiations, specifically around bringing our individuality forward, expressing what is ours to bring to the table, and being the first in some way. Others may be available to help guide or advise us, but no one will do this emergence for us. There are specific places we alone are being called. Something that I would name here also is that Chiron and Aries can have this like wound point where when it's difficult to harmonize with others or there's a feeling of like, I'm not being taken care of, no one understands me, there's this sense of like, well, I can do it alone. Like I can just do my own thing and I don't need anyone. And one, you know, like we may have developed a certain power and capacity to do that, to like self-regulate, to kind of meet our own needs. And there's like a integration within relationship and bringing ourselves into connection that may be the edge, not necessarily like, you know, I can just get out of here and do my own thing. In some situations that may be necessary, right? But really seeing the difference between when that's just a type of comfort zone versus, you know, it's not what we actually really want in the most tender way. The square from Mars and Cancer, so Mars being Aries ruling planet, so this is also an expression of the ongoing Chiron and Aries transit, like Mars and Cancer is a current expression of it. This square suggests that there's an impasse around emotional courage, such as the courage to face deep or extreme emotions, or the courage to face interpersonal conflict that would arise from asserting our own needs and independence, Aries, in a place that we haven't been. Right, and just stopping to think too about like the courage to face certain emotions, like where we have a pocket of emotion where we're just like, I can't go there, or like, I won't go there. And um, we might also think about, you know, again, thinking about being resourced and supported in that. Um, humans have long used things like ritual or play or kind of games, like some kind of structure to go into difficult places. So I think about, um, you know, forgiveness, for example, which is challenging to do emotionally and how like Ho'oponopono, like, a, like an actual structured forgiveness prayer supports that, right? Or that, um, you know, you can think of your own versions of it, but Chiron and Aries, I think, would be that, like, needing the guidance or having, like, this, um, the thing in place that supports taking that action so that we're not just doing it randomly or without any kind of container or support. Um, but also, you know, that we do it, <laughs> that there's a way that we could really be avoiding something emotionally right now. And so think about what would it take to actually lean in. There could be some significant developmental steps forward happening right now for us, for other people, and then a simultaneous tug from the past that's asking um, for us to let go of how things used to be right, to accept that things have changed and that new normals are about to begin. 
and that's whether or not existing bonds and relationships will evolve or separate. So this could be very internalized, like being afraid to change because what will people think? This is inconsistent or like I, you know, people know me for being this way or um, that showing up in relationship in terms of um, people having a hard time, like accepting that someone's changing. And note that there's a difference from being like called back or feeling called back from this place of like, what happened to you? Are you okay? Like you seem not yourself in an unwell way, you know, where where the past is being used as a comparison of like, I know you to be this way, like what's going on with you? Um, as opposed to calling others back or being called back from a place of your newfound power and individuality scares and threatens me and I'm afraid to lose you or I don't like how I feel in the mirror comparison, in the mirroring of you. You know, I don't want to lose you or I don't, I don't like feeling this way in comparison and where it's more about insecurity than about like love and the desire for connection. This combination, Mars and Cancer and the square to Chiron, could relate to one who is aggressively smothering out of attachment um, and fear. And the counterpart that allows it out of shame or a sense of obligation or whatever else hooks them into the dynamic, right? Chiron and Aries is one way that we could read it, a wound around individuality or individuating. So a sense of like, I'm having a hard time leaving the nest, um, because of whatever shame hooks are keeping me here you know or whatever fears i have about making it out on my own or separating um you know and it's also the journey of overcoming that (laughs) the hero's journey of um stepping out into adventure and into the unknown Alternately, this combination could relate to leaning directly into emotional growth and taking personal responsibility. Instead of looping others into the role of making us feel safe or else, right? So demands, coercions, etc. It could also be the process of standing in our own truth and needs, even if that makes others have to have their emotional process, right? Like letting people have an emotional process, not trying to rescue it, Uh, rescue them from it, make it not happen because of our own discomfort. Like it's okay for there to be a process. Um, It could feel kind of messy looking, but there's, it's better that process to occur than to be entrenched in inauthentic, untrue dynamics just to prevent those challenging emotions. And then we have a first quarter moon in seven degrees of Leo at 2.20 p.m. Pacific, same day. And a major evolutionary intention of Taurus, where the sun is currently, is cultivating true self-worth and self-love. With that as a base for the first quarter phase of the moon cycle, the Leo development of that could be to express this self-love outwardly. This is where we have the self-esteem and internal permission to share our creativity with the world, right? To share our heart with the world. And before we make it to deeper and more authentic layers of our own heart, we can tend to be performative or mask in some way, Leo, 
to earn desired reflections from others that then we integrate into our self-concept, Taurus. So when we do it in this way, we can feel less penetrated by love because we're not getting loved um, for our true self or like fully our true self, but we're getting love for our act, right? Then we feel we have to maintain that act. Um, and there's a sense of not really fully being touched. Taurus season is annually an invitation into coming into our bodies, our senses, and really feeling ourselves in our own essence, which can also be a process of slowing down and just being with what is, right? Not the performance. This first quarter square suggests taking this dropped-in self-presence to the next level, which is inviting others to see you in it and share it with you, um, and it not having to be a certain way for that to be okay. Then April 29th, we have Mars in 18 degrees of Cancer, sextile Uranus in 18 degrees Taurus at 1.04 p.m. Pacific. So typically the Taurus Cancer sextile, just considering the signs alone, has a cozy energy like cooking at home in a beautiful kitchen, being warm and wrapped up in pleasing fabrics, pleasurable fabrics, or any combination of sensuality and comfort that you might imagine. Right, like domestic bliss. Not even necessarily domestic, it could be, it could be outdoors. Um, it's just a sense of really tapping into the like enjoyment, pleasure, like feeling, feeling at home with life. And here the planets involved, however, Mars and Uranus are pretty activating, energetic, and then at times aggravating, right? Mars is bringing heat, Uranus is bringing electricity. Um, I don't know, unless we're talking simply here about like an electric blanket <laughs> or something, but this could mean that our comfort or preferences are being challenged, that we're feeling emotionally activated and maybe even like reactive or tantrum-y. And if we're beholden to our ego in this moment of tantruming, you know, we may feel huffy and entitled. And, you know, it's worth having a tantrum, by the way. I'm, I'm pro that. It's good to express it. Um, to, like, actually be in approval of, like, our emotions in that way, but to not so identify deeply with the um, often very younger part of us that is acting out. Um, but we may feel huffy and entitled and like we want to do what's in our power to control the external situation to go the way that we want so that we can feel okay. Alternately, expanding our capacity to be with discomfort or activation, to be able to hold ourselves there with compassion, we might access new or more creative and inventive pathways to relate to the situation at hand beyond how we might immediately reach for comfort. As I was thinking about this transit, though, you know, after I wrote this, I had a day Mercury had just stationed and I was like very aggressively cleaning my whole apartment. Um, and I'm I'm kind of a messy person. So I was like really going for it and cleaned out my closet, like separated clothes to give away. And I was like, I have all this energy for like homemaking right now. Um, you know, I was frustrated with it being messy, but then when it was clean, like it felt so amazing. So there was like extra energy toward the kind of 
Cancer Taurus realm, but I wanted to think about it in a few ways as well. So definitely having that kind of sense of irritation, Mars, like activation, electricity, you're honest, in a place where we normally, you know, go to just kind of be like warm and cozy to have there be something like, like there's more heat coming in here. There's something, there's something cooking. Uh, May 1st. 2023, we have Pluto stationing retrograde in zero degrees of Aquarius at 10.08 a.m. Pacific. It's good to know when Pluto's stationing because it does infuse the moment with the Plutonic, and that is kind of like similar to eclipse season, which is bringing up, you know, our soul development, our soul work through our actual circumstances. So the soul is kind of eclipsing the personality. Pluto, um, stationing like really adds this kind of like swampy cauldron kind of energy into the moment um and sometimes similar to eclipse season and just like being able to breathe through things and and be intentional as opposed to simply reactive i think pluto stations can ask for that as well which is not to say not to be with like what's really needing to happen or like being on the wave of our soul development but um you know and often we can't avoid that anyway but there's a difference between like freaking out and just kind of like getting with the program of where our soul is wanting to take us and the personality tends to kick and scream in certain moments around that but eventually this retrograde with pluto is going to bring um pluto back into late capricorn on june 12th of this year Pluto will then station direct on October 10th and re-enter Aquarius for good on January 20th, 2024. So we've just had a little dip of Pluto and Aquarius, but so far what I've noticed is that there's been a shift in awareness from how we are part of world structures, government, cultural and social norms, institutions, etc. With Pluto and Capricorn, that was a really big focus. Um you know, both on the desire to kind of like take down parts of the world structure. There was like a lot of collective kind of protest and there was the rise of cancel culture. Like there was this desire to kind of like dethrone um, power. And then there was also this internal kind of like dismantling process or like there's a real desire with Pluto and Capricorn to like... um, I mean, there's a challenge with that placement in the sense that it does reveal how deeply entrenched we are, right? That like, um, we're part of the world mess, if you will. And that, you know, a lot of us aren't willing to just like go completely live off the grid and like not participate in the world, right? So there's how deep are we um, entrenched, right? And finding some finding our relationship with integrity and like how we want to relate to the world um, in its imperfection, its deep imperfection. Right, but there was, you know, significant development towards the end of Pluto and Capricorn with like the canceling of cancel culture and the sense of like, rather than villainizing people and trying to destroy others, like what about actually having our own grief process? Um, and things like that. So by the time we're getting into Pluto and Aquarius and we're just kind of dipping into it, 
What I've been sensing is that it's moving us more into the um, material of how our minds and nervous systems are part of paradigms or matrices, right? The plural of matrix or programs, right? Like kind of like like a chip or a cassette with like uh, words that repeat on it, like how we've internalized some particular kind of way of thinking or some set of ideas. Um, and it starts to feel a lot more sci-fi um, in a way. And so in other words, with Pluto and Aquarius, we can be looking at where we're not free because our minds are not free. Right, so there's something here too about subscribing to a particular paradigm or a way of thinking that's like packaged in a way that feels radical or freeing. But if we're not able to see clearly or see beyond it, and we're just kind of then becoming dogmatic or rigid, did we really subscribe to freedom or not? We might have incredibly strong nervous system patterns that relate to keeping our thoughts and behavior within certain confines. And we might be at the edge of that when we desire to transcend those particular limitations, such as when we want to break out of scarcity trauma um, or experience intimacy beyond our um, fear and distrust or attachment traumas. So the boundaries with Pluto and Aquarius could relate to um, some of our own internal nervous system structures, which can be rewired, which can change, you know, but there is a confrontation with it. Pluto is raw energy. Um, it's a rippling force of nature that wants to express itself through us. The nature of the game with Pluto and Aquarius is that this raw energy often wants to dismantle our rigid programming and open our sight to what we could see beyond that powerful filter, right? And there's a sense of um, you know, I'm thinking of what some embodiment teachers have spoken to in terms of like when you know, there's something Carla talks about, like cultivating our um, erotic life force, then we also have to learn how to wield it, right? And that we're not using it as some kind of shield or fogging mechanism or um, way to kind of manipulate people that that funnels our erotic life force energy into our ego. And you can do that. But it's like it creates things that aren't, um, you know, erotic energy, on the other hand, going into the truth of what wants to happen in our soul life and in our body might, you know, open us up to becoming more than what our ego could imagine. And I think that there's something similar when we're looking at Pluto and Aquarius, it's like raw energy can feed particular paradigms of thought and they can take on like life and the paradigm of thought might be completely insane 
right? Like it might not be in touch with reality. It might not be compassionate. It might not be serving life. It might be some very kind of weird, artificial, distorted, hateful, traumatized thing. And you can still feed energy into it. Um, And so on the other hand, raw energy could go in and start to dismantle and break those kinds of paradigms. So there's something about how attached are we going to be to a particular way of thinking that will kind of use energy to maintain it versus where are we allowing our ways of thinking to be destroyed and dismantled and like recycled into the next kind of um, true thing that wants to emerge. And part of the game, this Pluto and Aquarius thing, and by the way, I've talked a lot more about Pluto and Aquarius on the podcast. I have a few episodes about it um, on Magic of the Spheres. Um, But part of the game is that the programs themselves are also powerful. Like think of The Matrix, the movie. It's a time to become more aware of the hidden rules and architecture of the game and learn how to see through the resistance patterns that show up on the verge of transformation. And in my experience, when I've sought to transform the most embedded patterns in my nervous system, it's not like those embedded patterns don't put up a fight, right? They really do. But these patterns may have come into being as a strong protective mechanism related to survival. And so um, there's definitely a process, right? And for, for me in this example, it hasn't been about killing my embedded patterns or making them an enemy like it's not necessarily about war um but learning how to reroute that raw vital life force that is feeding into those patterns often conscious awareness like the aquarian sight becomes an empowering force that allows me to see the pattern that's coming up and not go on the same habitual ride with it but to then free up the energy to explore whole new ways of experiencing life that are more authentic and resonant in the moment. So awakening Aquarius itself makes way for change, Pluto. And I think like the deep part of discernment with Pluto and Aquarius is how like, what is like really a true force of awakening versus what's like packaged awakening, like something that we, you know, egoically identify as awakening but the idea itself doesn't actually have that raw, like true energy of it. We might be honest with ourselves about where we are resisting awakening itself because of a part of us wants to live in illusion or wants to maintain the architecture of how things already are, right? Like where are we on the side of our own matrix? And then with Pluto and Aquarius, it would be important for us to find frameworks and ways of seeing systems and patterns in a way that enables us to transform meaningfully, as opposed to finding frameworks that we collapse all of our power into because the frameworks themselves give us a false sense of arrival or of things just being static circumstances. Right, so part of what I, you know, let's take astrology as an example is that astrology gives us sight 
into some of the deeper patterns in our lives, right? And if we use that site to be like, well, I have this aspect in my chart and then it means this and that's it, end of story, then we've collapsed our sense of like power, capacity for transformation, um, our relationship to these planetary energies into a static like, ah, this is just the way it is, right? And even using the thing to be like an excuse versus when we're kind of humbled by a, a vision that we get from our chart, like the insight, and then it moves us to go deeper into exploring that to the point where we have some kind of internal transformation or act differently within our reality and we experience change and transformation that was um, triggered, if you will, by the insight or the illumination of that planetary situation or aspect. So what I'm saying is like not to feed so much power into the framework as a static thing. Like this is just the way things are, here it is. Um, as opposed to like this is the site, this is the illumination I have and how is that churning something deep inside of me and like what am I going to do with that information or how is that going to, um, how is that going to move me? How will I let that sink in? Pluto stationing suggests that there's an energy or intensification around these themes at the moment, and we may be feeling more available energy to break free from places that we have allowed ourselves to be inside of a rigid or stagnant program. And then we have Sun in 11 degrees of Taurus, conjunct Mercury retrograde in 11 Taurus at 4.27 p.m. Pacific the same day. Mercury's retrograde in Taurus could be having us think more reflectively on where we value putting our mental energy, what we would want to learn about or research for pleasure for a utility or purpose that really matters to us, right? And maybe also we're going back and revisiting certain threads or projects that mattered to us, um, but time or whatever got away from us and we're bringing them back up. Alternately, Mercury retrograde in Taurus could also be about a new layer of getting to know our own internal body language. For example, we may have specific sensations like our heart rate increasing or our face heating up or a kind of heaviness or a fuzzy, foggy feeling in our head. But be in the process of opening our understanding of what these sensations are about. I remember having a classmate in college telling me that when she's about to speak and her heart rate starts going up, she recognizes that as transformation, that her words are going to transform her life or someone else's, and then she leans in. I was really surprised and inspired to hear this because I had an unchecked belief before then that I should wait to speak until I felt calm and regulated. And because of that, I wasn't allowing myself to play more with fire or like the spontaneity or like the edge. Um, sensations that we have in our body just are and how we interpret them or allow ourselves to be curious about them does count. Mercury relates to curiosity and with regards to sensations in the body, Taurus, it could be loosening up our concepts of what our sensations are about and mean and exploring them in a different way. 
And then the Mercury Kazemi tends to bring messages, whether communications from the outside world or here perhaps directly from the body. We might notice our body's response to messages from the outside world more or have um, yeah, a messenger come up just in terms of sensation internally and the retrograde has like even a deeper kind of message about going inward or like going into them going within right and Taurus is already such an internal um, sensate kind of sign so this is what I have for you for the week we have the other eclipse approaching we're in between eclipses it's a Martian and Plutonian week so we're still cooking in here um, take care lean in where you're being called to lean in thank you for listening find the link in the notes for ecstasies something i think incredibly life-changing and magical to lean into speaking of leaning in um, it's about peak experience and like high joyful experiences opening our hearts to receive that working with the material the different kind of mazes or structures that we encounter along that path. And then if you want to work with me one-on-one -on -one in a long-term capacity, email me, sabrina at monarchastrology.com, or you can also book for a one-time evolutionary fusion session. I do have spaces in May for that, so you can find the link for that in the notes as well. Thank you for listening. I hope that you're doing well and I'll talk to you again soon.